welcome to the Destiny podcast. We hope this message blesses you. Yeah, yesterday we were speaking about um, letting go, cancelling the debt, and we we did the prayers, we tore up the letter, but that was that's only the beginning of a process. You know, it's like don't. Some people think that that's it done, because that's traditionally what we've been taught, but it. It's just the beginning of a process, and you may find that pain surfaces every every now and again. Don't panic about that. Just bring that with him, bring that to him, um, because what he wants to do is bring his love into the place of pain, yeah. and set you free from it. <laughs> and it's difficult to be present in the pain and to walk the journey and allow love to come and touch us in that place, you know. That was the great the difficulty I had in the beginning, and you know I I went to Toronto. I, I heard James Jordan speaking about this. I, I got angry. <laughs> Part of that week was someone prayed for me. They put their arms around me, and said, "John, can you be a little boy who needs to be loved?" And I, I I kind of realized that that's all I've ever been, and I didn't have an experience. You know. It wasn't like I got shivers up my spine or I didn't fall on the ground and roll around laughing or crying or... And I'm not saying that's bad stuff. That's, you know, it's good when God touches you that way. But, you know, we've been so conditioned to expect an experience that if we don't have an experience, then we just think, well, nothing happened to me. You know, and I, I thought that. That's where I was at until James Jordan stood up and said... When Jack Winter prayed for me the way we've just prayed for you, I didn't feel anything. And I thought, oh, because he's got something. And so it sparked a bit of hope in me that I thought, perhaps I got something too. And we often struggle with that question, you know, so have I got it now? You know, um, because we think we've not had an experience, so nothing has happened. Even though I didn't feel anything, what Father did was, as I opened my heart as much as I was able to, he poured his love into my heart. And he began to pour into my heart the love that I've always needed. The love I needed as a child, as a, the love I didn't receive as an adolescent, and even as an adult. You know, as we sit here right now, he's pouring his love into our hearts. We may be aware of it, we may not, but it's happening. And for me, coming into this place, I now live in a conscious state of, of receiving love, whether I'm feeling it or not. And there are times I do feel it, and it's great. <laughs> but the fact is, He is continually loving us. And, I, you know, I shared that I had struggled with all the questions of not belonging. Why was my dad ill? Why did God not heal him? Why did He let him die? But when He began to love me like that, when I heard Him call me son, the questions just stopped. He didn't give me the answers that my mind was, was asking for, but he gave me the love that my heart was crying out for. And that, that was the change, that was a, a real pivotal moment for me. Because that's where I came into a relationship with God as my Father. Not talking about him in the third person as the Father, but as my Father. And just loving me and, and fathering me in all the ways that my dad wasn't able to do as I was growing up. And I realized, you know, I'd always fought with this injustice and unfairness of my life. And it's true. What happened to me and what happened to, to you and your lives hasn't been fair. But unfortunately, that's the nature of the world since Adam messed up. <laughs> But the promise still stands that he says, I will be a father to you and you will be my sons and daughters. And I love the fact he doesn't say, I will be your father. Because we've all had men that have said, I'm your father. And their ability to fathers and parents has gone in varying degrees of, from terrible to good. <laughs> but he says, I will be a father to you. I'll do the things for you your dad couldn't do. And that, for me, just blows my mind. 
you know, because I didn't have a dad that did that. And I think there is something deep within the human heart that wants to know a father's approval, a father's affirmation. You know, I shared the Burt Reynolds story about, you know, were you, were you there, Mark, when I said about Burt Reynolds? He was asked in an interview, you know, you know, you're a tough guy, you're a man's man. You know, what makes you a man? And he said, you're not a man until your father says you are. And then he said, my father never told me and that has always been a problem. Because there's something in the heart of, of human beings that wants a father's approval, a father's affirmation, a hand in the shoulder, a, a look in the eye. And so God's saying, I will be a father to you, d d not, not in some theological abstract sense way up there in the sky, but up close and personal the way he was with Adam. But I want to I share something. Before I really came to that place of hearing him call me son, there was another um, difficulty with my heart that he, he wanted to address. Um, and I think it's something that's appropriate to all of us that needs to be addressed before we can really come to that place of seeing ourselves as real sons and daughters to, to our true father. And I just want to read a, a passage of scripture from Malachi. Chapter 4, verse 5 and 6. And Malachi is speaking from the Lord and he said, See, I will send you the prophet Elijah before that great and dreadful day of the Lord comes. We, we, we understand that to be before Jesus returns. And he said, He will turn the hearts of the fathers to their children and the hearts of the children to their fathers, or else I will come and strike the land with a curse. And when I was in Toronto... Um, James Jordan was, was sharing with us for a week and he spoke about going to the USA to be part of a ministry with a man called Jack Winter. Now Jack Winter in the 1970s came to a place where he began to experience God being a father to him. And he, he's really the man who began uh, Father Heart Ministries back in 1997. One of the things Jack did, I mean Jack did lots of things, but one of the things he did was he ministered in a little church in, in uh, Cambridge, Ontario. And the pastors there just wanted to learn how to, to walk with Father. And they really pursued this. And then they moved from Cambridge, Ontario, and they, they started a little church at the end of the runway in Toronto. That was John and Carol Arnott. And Jack had spent the 80s ministering to them in their congregation, just sharing this revelation of the Father's love. And so James met him at Bible school in New Zealand. Jack was speaking there, and he went to become a part of Jack's ministry. And by the time James went there, I think he went to the U.S. in 79, <coughs> in 1979. And by that time he went there, Jack was really focusing entirely on the ministry of the Father's love. And he, he spoke about, while he was there, he wanted to learn how to pray. You know, he, he looked at Peter going up on the roof in Acts, and it says that he fell into a trance and he became hungry. He, he'd been up there for so long, from breakfast time to whenever, that he became hungry. And James was thinking, wow, that's a long time to pray. <laughs> and so he wanted to learn how to pray like these men of God. And so he would go in there Saturday after Saturday learning to pray, learning to, to find God's presence and just stay in his presence. And one day he's, he was walking up and down this little chapel praying when God spoke to him very, very clearly. Five words, but it, it struck James dumb and left him struggling to, to answer God's question. And his mind was spinning, thinking, what do I say? And this, these, were, these were the five words the Lord said to him. He said, James... Whose son are you? And James knew exactly what he meant. He knew the Lord was saying to him, James, who have you been a son to? And as he began to look through his life, he, he thought, I can't say my dad because I, I, I shut my dad out of my life when I was a, a kid. You know, his dad had been in the war and seen horrible things and he just couldn't cope with it. 
And so he's sharing this story about what's happening to him. And I'm sitting in this front row in Toronto thinking, oh my goodness, <laughs> God's saying the same thing to me. John, whose son are you? And I'm thinking, well, the obvious answer is my, my dad is Angus MacDonald. I'm Angus MacDonald's son. But as I'm thinking that, suddenly this memory appears in picture form. And I thought, oh man, I'd forgotten all about this. And I'm standing by uh, near my father's armchair. And by this time he, he had difficulty walking, so he couldn't just get up out of the chair and, and get things. So I'm standing just out of arm's reach of him in his armchair. And I've got no clothes on, and he's saying to me, come here. And he's got my clothes, he wants to dress me. And I'm defying him, I'm saying, no, not, not doing it. And he's getting so frustrated and he flicks his belt at me um, and the buckle catches me on the thigh. It doesn't leave a mark, it doesn't hurt me, I don't cry, but something in my heart closed down. You know, I thought, it's true, it is my fault that he's sick and he blames me and, and so he's not a source of love for me anymore. And I just closed my heart down. Still related to him, but, but in my heart, he wasn't a source of love. Actually, this bit I don't remember, but my mum said that um, later on I took the belt and threw it in the coal fire. <laughs> Apparently I took the belt and threw it in the fire and burned my dad's belt. <laughs> I don't remember that bit, but I believe her. That's, that's her memory of it. But I remember standing, I'm, I'm telling my mum and you, and you just, uh, you know, and I thought, oh my goodness, I stopped letting my dad love me then. You know, I talk about not having memories of him saying, I love you. Or, but part of the reason for that isn't because he wasn't able to love me, although he, he wasn't. Part of the reason was because I closed my heart and wouldn't receive love from him in whatever form he tried to give it to me. I did the same with my mum in, in later years. And so I'm sitting there in that chair realizing that I had got it into my head that I'm not wanted and my dad resented me and when he did that with his belt it seemed to confirm that in my thinking and I just closed my heart I said I don't want anything from you anymore and so although I, I talk about my dad not giving me anything not being able to give me anything I wasn't able to receive anything either You know, because what I heard in my heart was, you're not wanted. This is all your fault. And so it caused me my whole life to strive for acceptance. It caused me my whole life to, to, to try harder to become part of the in crowd or, or just, just acceptable. To be liked, to be wanted. I didn't have the emotional capacity to understand my dad couldn't give me what I needed. Neither could my mum. I never understood what was happening to him. You know, he's. I'm, when I was born, my dad was not quite 21. And he's been diagnosed with multiple sclerosis at 21 years old. You know, what was happening to him? I can look back and understand that from this adult perspective. But as a little boy, I didn't understand all of that. I just, all I knew was my dad doesn't like me, or that's what I thought. And I was so wrapped up in my, my pain, my confusion, and that there was a lot of confusion in, in our family. Uh, you know, I'm two months old, and my mum's pregnant again. My sister's, it's my sister's birthday today, actually. She's 11 months uh, younger than me. So I'm two months old, and my mum's my pregnant again, and suddenly, all the focus isn't on me, but there's another baby coming and my dad's ill. And so attention and energy is taken up on these things. And then when my brother is born, he's got a hair lip and a cleft palate. So there's all panic. And, and so I, I, I'm living in this confused world where there's lots of fear and anxiety. And, and it's just, the world was a strange and confusing place and, and not a, didn't feel a safe place. And so I had to create my own safety. And that meant shutting people out, not letting people in, not letting people touch my heart. 
not just as a child, but most of my life. And I, I longed for my dad to love me, I longed for my mum to love me, but they weren't able to give me what I needed. They weren't able to give me what I wanted. And over time, my heart just became closed. I don't know if it was a conscious thing, but I recognised that they were no longer a source of love for me. I don't mean I didn't like my mum and dad, I liked them. But they were no longer a source of love and comfort. And so as James is telling his story in Toronto, I'm sitting in this chair realising that God is speaking to me. And it's, it's no longer James Jordan I'm listening to, it's, it's the Lord saying to me, John, whose son are you? And so I, I knew I couldn't say, I'm Angus MacDonald's son, because I, I wasn't a son to my dad. Oh, I did things, you know, I, I brushed his teeth, I gave him a drink, but... I don't know if it was out of love or just duty or... I just stopped being a son to my mum and dad in my heart. And when you read the Gospels, you see Jesus' heart attitude towards his father. You see his heart attitude towards Mary and Joseph. You know, I love when he gets lost in Jerusalem and they, they have to go back to find him. And he's in the temple and he said, you know, didn't you know I had to be in my father's house? And Luke writes that they did not understand what he was saying. So he went with them back to Nazareth and was obedient to them. And he, this heart to honour Mary and Joseph. I wonder if, if they had understood what he was saying, would, would they have gone back to Nazareth and left him in the temple? I don't know. But because they didn't understand, his heart was so um, honouring towards them that he went back down to Nazareth with them and it says he was obedient to them. I didn't have that kind of heart towards my mum and dad. That, was not, that wasn't my attitude. Even with God, he says, I had not come to do my own will, but the will of him who sent me. And I realise as I'm sitting in this room in Toronto, I've wanted to be like Jesus, and I'm nothing like him. The heart of Jesus and the heart of John MacDonald were two were miles, miles apart as far as the North Pole is from the South Pole <laughs> because Jesus delighted to do his father's will and I didn't know what my dad's will was he was locked in this prison of, of pain and darkness and disability um, I didn't like doing my mum's will because it usually involved tidying my room going for, going for groceries or you know things I didn't like doing. And so even when I did go for the groceries, I would, I would steal some money from, from the change to buy myself sweets or, or cakes. So there was no heart loyalty there in the simplest of tasks. And yet Jesus says, I only do what I see my Father doing and I only speak the words my Father has taught me. And so I can't say to God, I'm Gus MacDonald's son. And my mind is racing through. I'm looking for someone. Who have, who have I been a son to? And I, I began to think of all the men that had been in my life. Family or, or neighbours or friends or, or pastors or, or even at Bible college tutors. And I realised that a lot of people had shown me kindness. And, but I had never been able to receive that from them. Because... My heart was just closed. I became very, very orphan-like in that I th no one was a source of love for me. I could only be my own strength, my own comfort. And that's why I ended up in drugs and drink and violence and all kinds of things. I, I, I came to a, a mindset where I thought I can only rely on me. And all the people who had loved me or tried to love me, people I'd been a student to or mentored by, I'd, I could never say I'd been a, a son to them. I'd never had a heart in me that would say, I want to please this man, I want to honour him. I, I couldn't say that. And as the Lord was taking me through this catalogue of, of people, I realised I've never been a son to anyone. And... I remember 
having arguments with my mum and, and saying to her, I didn't ask to be born. I didn't ask you to be my mum. The times I told her I hated her and rebelled against her and the way she did things at home. You know, I, I, I would come home on a Friday evening from work or from school and my mum wouldn't see me again until Monday. And I didn't tell her where I was or where I was going. She would put me out of the house and I would just disappear for days on end. And I had no concern for what she thought. And I realised that I had cut her out of my heart too, just the same way I did with my dad. And what the Lord showed me was that when I cut them out of my heart, when, when, I, when I closed my heart to my mum and dad and, and no longer saw them as a source of love, that what I did in myself was to destroy the heart of a son in me. I lost the ability to be a son to anyone. And when I did that, I lost the capacity to have a relationship with God as a father. And so when I became a Christian, God could only be my master. I could only be his servant because I had lost the ability to be a son to anyone. And if I don't have the heart of a son in me, I can't have relationship with God the Father. I can only have relationship with God my Creator or God my Master or God the Almighty One. You know, when I, when I became a Christian, people used to say to me things like, um, you need to make Jesus Lord of your life. If, if He's not Lord of all, He's not Lord at all. I hate those little Christian sayings. They drive me nuts. <laughs> I just, I don't know what they mean. <laughs> but the fact is, Jesus is Lord. Whether I agree with that or not, it doesn't change the fact that He is Lord. Even if I disagree with His decisions, He's right and I'm wrong. And sometimes we think, well, you know, Jesus, why don't you see it from my point of view and just be a little more tolerant of my decisions? But the truth is, he is Lord, and he will not change his ways to accommodate us in his life. And so when we come to relationship with Jesus, it's us who have to adapt ourselves to his ways. He doesn't adapt to our ways. We, we talk about inviting Jesus into our lives, but the truth is we don't. What happens is we accept Jesus' invitation to come into his life. And when we relate to him as Lord, we relate to him as he is, for who he is. And it's the same with God. We, we want to, if we want to know God, then we relate to him for who he is. And he has revealed himself as Father. Paul even says that in Corinthians. There is one God, the Father, from whom all things came and for whom we live. It's his nature. You know, a father is someone who initiates and imparts life. And so by very nature, God is Father because He is the one who initiated life and continues to sustain all life. He's the initiator of everything that exists. That's why Paul says, all things came from Him. And if we want to have relationship with God for who He is, then we need to relate to Him as a Father. He's not the creator. Creating is something he did. Father is who he is. And so I'm sitting in this room in Toronto realizing I don't even know God. I've been a Christian for 20 years almost and I don't even know God because I'd lost the ability to have a relationship with him as he truly is. And so I have this wrong perspective of who he is. He's the angry judge, he's the master, he's... When all of the, the time he's been trying to say to me, John, I'm your father. I'm the one who gave you life, I'm the one who sustains your life. Come and relate to me on that basis. 
And he reminded me, you know, Jesus was only ever known as a son. He, the demons called him the son of God. We know who you are, son of the Most High. And the angel said to Mary, didn't he, he will be called the son of the, the Most High. The ordinary Jew in the street called him the son of David. Have mercy on me, son of David. And realized that Jesus bore the name of an imperfect man. David was a murderer, an adulterer. He was a terrible father. But Jesus owned himself as the son of David. And so what did the Lord is saying, John, I'm not asking you to do anything that Jesus hasn't done. Jesus was, was the son of an imperfect man. Whose son are you? And what he was really saying was, you know, John, you've been asking me for years, telling me you want to be a man of God and everything else. And that's true. I remember when I first became a, a Christian in November 85. A few weeks later, I went to a, a, a watch night service, a, a New Year's Eve service at midnight. And I saw a man preaching there and, and I thought, I want to do that. And I turned to Fiona and said, I think God wants me to be a minister. And it really freaked me because she said, yeah, I know. And I was like, what? How do you know? I just found out myself. <laughs> But, and so since that time, I, I was saying, God, I just, I want to be a man of God like the, the men of God I see. Well, this is what he said to me. You know, I'm saying, yeah, that's true. He said, well, John, all of my men of God are somebody's son. And if you want to be a man of God, whose son are you? And it's, it's true when you read the Bible, everyone is introduced as someone's son, you know. Jeremiah, son of Hilkiah, Simon, son of Jonas. All these people are the son of somebody. Even Adam was the son of God. <laughs> and as he's asking me these things, as he's saying these things to me, I'm realizing I've never been a son to anyone beyond when I was a little child. I had cut every father figure out of my life, every parent figure out of my life and it, in my heart I was my own man no one told me what to do I lost a lot of jobs because of that attitude no one's going to tell me what to do I, did, I decide my life that's not the heart of a son and so James is sharing his story and, and I'm just like you've been reading my mail you know someone gave you my diary to read <laughs> because it's my, this is my story He's talking about. And he's saying, you know, if you want to know God as a father, you need to have the heart of a son in you. And I've come to understand, you know, I was, I, I was a Pentecostal pastor. So gifts of the spirit, tongues, healing, deliverance, all of that stuff. But I've come to understand that's not why he gave us this Holy Spirit. The Holy Spirit is the spirit of sonship. No, he comes upon Jesus at his baptism and the Father says, this is my son. Ro Paul tells us in Romans chapter 1 that Jesus is declared to be the son of God with power through the spirit of holiness. In Galatians 4, it is the Holy Spirit who causes us to cry, Abba, Papa. In Galatians 4 again, he is the spirit of the son. Paul says, God has get, put, put the spirit of his son into our hearts by whom we cry, Abba, Father. Those who are the sons of God are those who are led by the Spirit of God. He's the Spirit of adoption. And this whole thing we have of adoption, it's a, it's a bad translation. The Greek word is huiothesia, and it means to be placed into sonship. And it's speaking about that process I said about the cloaking. It's speaking about inheritance. So when we read adoption in the scriptures, it's not that we've been adopted as strangers, but as sons, we've been placed into a position of inheritance. Yeah, and it's the spirit who is that spirit who puts us into the place of inheritance. 
who again in Romans 8 causes us to cry, Abba. It's the Spirit of God who pours the love of the Father into our hearts in Romans 5.5. 5. I realised, my goodness, this has always been his intention, that we would be his sons and daughters. I've been so blind to it because my heart was not the heart of a son, but the heart of an orphan who did things his way for his own purposes and for his own ends. And I suddenly realised, if I don't have the heart of a son to my mum and dad, I don't have the heart of a son at all. And it almost felt as though, do you know what a seesaw is? You know, you sit, it's a long piece of wood with a, a stand in the middle and you, you sit on each end and go up and down. And I felt as though my life was on this seesaw. <laughs> Which way will it go? You know, I wanted to be a man of God. Still do. But God is telling me, if you want to be a man of God, John, you need to be someone's son. Whoa, <laughs> you know, that's pushing it, God. I don't know if I want anyone to have that kind of control over me. And so what I eventually said was, God, I don't know whose son I am, but I want to be yours. And one of the things that he began to take me through was the forgiveness from the heart stuff that I was talking about. He began to show me my mum and dad's life, what it was like for them. You know, I'd never thought of forgiveness as something of the heart. I thought it was a Christian discipline and duty that I had to do. But he's taking me through this, just showing me what my mum's life was like, what it was like for my grandparents and the rest of my family. Just this compassion coming into my heart for them. And I said, John, when you lose something, where will you find it? Well, I'll ask you that question. When you lose something, where will you find it? Where you left it, yes, exactly. It's just that we can't remember where we left it. And so he's, he's saying, you lost the heart of a son in the relationship with your mum and dad. Where are you going to find it again, John? Oh, okay. <laughs> I'm going to find it in relationship with my mum and dad. Now, my dad's dead, so that's... And he, I realise he's saying, you know, John, finding the heart of a son again is all about your relationship with your parents. Now, in my mind, in the, the mind of that little boy, my parents didn't deserve me being a son to them. You know, it wasn't fair that I didn't have a dad who came and watched, watched me playing football. It wasn't fair that I was sent away from home so that they could have some respite. You know, I should have been at home being loved instead of in a dormitory where I was bullied and exposed to things that I shouldn't have been exposed to. You know, I had lots of reasons to close my heart to them and not be a son to them. You know, they should have, I should have memories of them saying, we love you, all of the problems that we're having, it's not your fault, son. But the truth is, if I close my heart to my mum and dad, the parents that God gave me, that's my responsibility. I can't blame my mum and dad for that. And so one of the things I did was I, I came to the Lord and I just said, Lord, I'm sorry, I didn't know what I was doing. I know that's not an excuse, but I'm so sorry I cut off my heart my parents and I began that whole process of letting go of the debt, the anger and everything else that, that I was holding on to I did something else yes I'm not having that conversation there um, I wrote a letter to my mum I did you know the thing we did yesterday writing the list of like I, I did that too um, and I did you know, I destroyed it and all that. And But I wrote a separate letter to my mum. I wrote one to my dad, but obviously I, I didn't send it anywhere. And what I did in this letter was I, I wrote to her and I said, Mum, I'm sorry. I wasn't the son that you should have had. I wasn't the son that you deserved. And I just went through all of the things that I 
I realized that as a little boy, I did that caused her pain. And th this was hard because I grew up learning you don't say sorry for anything. You don't express regret. You, you keep your grudges and you hold them close. <laughs> and I wrote this letter and I just remembered all the things that, where I hadn't behaved as a son, where I'd been disobedient, where I'd been rude, I'd been violent. And just generally not been very nice to my mum. And I began to thank her for the things that she did do. You know, I never went without food or clothes. My mum did. I didn't learn that until I was an adult, but there were times when my mum went without food because it, the choice was her eating or her children eating, and she fed the children first. I never went without clothes. You know, when she sent me to the elocution lesson to learn how to speak, I began to understand that it was out of love. She didn't know how to express love in the way that I wanted it expressed. She expressed it in the ways that she knew how. By providing, by looking after, making sure we were cared for. And all of this stuff that I had been so ungrateful for. And then I did something really stupid, dangerous. I posted the letter to her. <laughs> and I waited a few days. Nothing. I waited a few weeks, nothing. And I thought, do I need to write it again? <laughs> has, she, had, has she not got it? And it was difficult because we don't really do mushy stuff in our, you know, in our family, soppy stuff. We didn't share those kinds of feelings or sentiments of love and affection and I discovered later she did get the letter. She told my mother-in-law, which was the best way for the whole world to find out. <laughs> no, I'm only, I'm only teasing. My mother-in-law's great. But I knew then that she'd forgiven me that my letter meant something to her. As far as I'm aware, she still has the letter, actually. You know, I had never, ever thought of the pain that I had caused my mum and dad by rejecting them. And I understood that it's, it, it isn't that my mum and dad didn't love me, but they didn't know how to express that love in a way that I could receive it. For you, it's, it's the same for your mum and dad. They didn't know how to express love in a way that you could receive it. Perhaps they didn't know how to express love at all. And when they tried, it came out wrong, it came out violent or, or abusive or... You know, when, when you're a little boy, when you're a little girl and your mum and dad don't take you in their arms and they don't look you in the eye and tell you, I love you. When they do things that you don't understand and feels wrong and feels painful to you, you begin to think, my mum hates me, my dad doesn't like me. And we grow up our whole lives not knowing or not understanding a mother or father's love. And so we close our hearts, we begin to say, okay, I can't rely on any of those people, I can only rely on me. And we start to lose the ability to be sons and daughters. And for me, the point when I began to, re to know the restoration of a heart of a son was when I posted that letter. It's a process. I'm still, the heart of a son is still being formed in me. It's not, it's not, it wasn't a magic trick that God performed. <laughs> you know, he didn't say abracadabra and, but he began restoring that heart to me then. And I'm growing in that now. And that's what enabled me a few weeks later to hear him call me son. Because my heart began to come into a place where I could be a son again. You know, I knew touches of God's presence. I knew physical healing. I, I knew emotional healing and, and real major things in my life. Issues being resolved. Having little touches of love. But what he wanted to do was bring me into a relationship of love. And that was, that was difficult because to have a relationship with him as a father, I had to be able to be a son.
And that's what he was doing. Throughout my Christian life, he was leading me on that path towards sonship. It took him a long time to get through to my heart. 20, 20 years. And I realized that this is not just what he's doing in church. He's doing this in the world. He's revealing himself to the world as a father. And our part is not to get saved and have our sins forgiven, and, although those are good things to, to happen, by the way. <laughs> but our part in it is to come, not as servants and creatures, but as sons and daughters. So many people have lost the heart of a son and daughter in this world. Think about the movies and the TV programs you watch, the themes that they have of parents and children. Um, the movie Taken with Liam Neeson, I don't know if you've seen it. His daughter is kidnapped, he lives in the States, his daughter is kidnapped and taken to Eastern Europe. And he travels across the world to rescue his daughter and bring her home. That's what God did by sending Jesus to die on the cross. He sent his son across, the, across worlds <laughs> to bring us home. Um, lots of movies like that. My favourite movie that really reveals the heart of the father is um, it's the story of a little boy who disobeys his dad and gets captured and taken away. And his dad crosses the, the oceans to find him and bring him home. It's a movie that tells the gospel in 90 minutes. And it's by Pixar, Disney. It's Finding Nemo. But that's the story of Finding Nemo, isn't it? A little boy who disobeys his father and gets taken captive and is lost. But his father travels across the oceans to find him and bring him home. You see, the world is seeing what God is doing. They just don't understand it's him that's doing it. And actually, the, 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 the sad thing is neither does the church in general. And I realized that if we've lost the heart of a son or the heart of a daughter, then there's only one place we will get it back, where we left it, in relationship with our natural parents. Even if they're not alive, my dad wasn't alive, but I was able to, to address my heart issues that I had and allow love to flow. And I'm convinced that unless we have these heart issues resolved, we will have difficulty, if not find it impossible, to have relationship with God as a father. You know, people came to Jesus, he healed them from leprosy, he raised them from the dead, he, but so many of them didn't continue in relationship with him. They just went away. They were blessed by his presence, they received a touch from him, but they didn't really come to know Jesus. And we can walk our Christian lives like that, getting touches from God, getting touches from Jesus. And, and we can even know that God is the Father up there somewhere. We can sing the songs, you know, I have heard a thousand stories of what they think you're like. And we can sing that song, and, but he's still just the Father way up there. That's not what he wants to, to do. He wants to come up close and personal and be a father to us and restore the heart of sonship, the, the heart of a daughter to us. Now, what, what can that look like? One of the things I realized um, in recent years is that I willingly do things for my mum without her asking me. The first time I realized it, we, we were at our, our my mum lives 800 kilometers away from me. She lives in Cornwall, in Lou. She retired down there. And so she has a nice house and nice wooden decking area like pat wooden patio decking and I realized it was looking a bit shabby so I went to the store and I bought all this stuff and cleaned it all up and oiled it and and I suddenly realized that's the first time in my life I've done anything for my mom without her asking me and I realized something something is changing in me <laughs> in the Bible you would see it with David King David I mean he's mistreated by his brothers He's mistreated by his father. I mean, his father has the great judge and prophet Samuel come into the house. 
And Samuel says, get all of your sons together. But he doesn't get all of his sons together, does he? He only gets seven of his sons together. He doesn't bring David to the feast. And it's not until Samuel says, no, it's none of these. Do you have any other sons? Oh, well, yeah, there's the, yeah, there's David out in the fields. And he says, well, we're not going to sit down until he arrives. His father didn't even consider him one of his sons. Saul tries to kill, kill him and murder him. And yet, at the end of Saul's life, David doesn't write psalms about how terrible Saul was. He writes a song about how wonderful Saul was. And we see a little glimpse of the heart that David had towards Saul when he, find, he, he, he comes out of the cave after cutting Saul's robe and he cries out, Saul, my father. Wow. Something of David's heart was revealed towards this man who's trying to murder him. And then he, he comes to the king of Gath and he, he says something incredible. The father who left him out in the fields at night, exposed to bears and lions, stealing the sheep, he says to the king of Gath, I want you to do me a favour. Kings don't do favours. They collect debt. <laughs> so what he's really doing is saying, I will be in your debt if you do something for me. And he says, I, will you provide shelter for my mother and father until I discover what God will have me do? Wow. He doesn't turn his dad away. He doesn't shun him or disown him. He, he gets him a room in a palace. Despite all of the cruelty, despite all of the rejection. And I think what happened in that, you know, when David's out in the, the fields with the sheep, when he's in the caves with his men, I think he's just pouring his heart out to God. That's what we see in the Psalms. He's pouring out his heart to God. And he's saying, this is so difficult. I, oh, I'm so angry. But then his attitude changes. But you're God and you love me and you take care of me. And I think he began to know God as his father and, and his heart was being softened towards his parents and towards Saul. And he developed the heart of a son so that at the end, he wasn't critical of Saul, he wasn't critical of his father, but his heart was to honour Saul and lift him up and bless him. And his heart was to protect his father and keep him safe. I don't know if I've got to that heart yet, but, but what we see the incredible heart of a son in David. And I get glimpses of it in my life when I, I just want to serve my mum without being asked, without, not because I feel like her servant, because I want to honour her, I want to bless her. And, yeah, I see the heart of a son being restored to me. And I believe it's what he wants to do with all of us. And we started off with saying, you know, I started off with this scripture in Malachi. You know, I will send you the prophet Elijah before that great and dreadful day of the Lord comes. He will turn the hearts of the fathers to their children and the hearts of the children to their fathers. You know, that's what he was doing when I sent that letter to my mum. He was restoring the heart of this son to my mother and father. And he has been restoring the heart of my mum to me. You know, my mum will now sit, when I phone my mum, she'll, fin she'll finish the phone call by saying, love you. I, I don't remember that as a child. She still finds it difficult when I, when I give her and put my arms around her and hug her. She doesn't know what to do. <laughs> but it's changing. And it just blows my mind that I, I can come from that place of being totally closed off where I got to the point where emotion annoyed me. If someone was upset or crying, I'd, it would really, really annoy me because I closed my heart so much to it. And I'm now in the place where I cry at the television adverts. <laughs> Maybe not as bad as that, but... I cry much more easily than I ever did. And what he wants to do is restore the heart of a son to us, the heart of a daughter to us, that we can come and know him being a father to us. 
that we would experience the fulfillment of that scripture in 2 Corinthians 6.18. I will be a father to you and you will be my sons and daughters. Hmm. Let's pray and then we'll take a short break before we come back and do something. Father, thank you that you, your faithfulness knows no bounds, but you have pursued us from the day we left our mother's womb. You are our true father. You are the true source of life and breath and everything. And the truth is, we have closed our hearts in so many ways. And we're not quite sure how to open them. But we really do want to be your sons and daughters. Not just in name, but in relationship, in attitude, in lifestyle. Thank you that you have never given up on us. Love never gives up. that you have continued to pursue us and love us because you desire to know us and for us to know you. Thank you for your unending faithfulness and love. We want to come deeper into that, the experience of that love and faithfulness and kindness and goodness as you conform us to the image of your Son. And so here are our hearts, Father. And we don't quite know what to do with them or what we just say, here we are. Come and show us and lead us and teach us how to step into that place of greater and deeper relationship with you. Thank you for listening to the iDestiny podcast. For further information, check out www.idestiny.org.uk.